Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. At the beginning of the year, the American Journal of Managed Care convened a panel of experts in infectious disease and managed care to discuss management of HIV, including the need for individualized care and the role for newer treatment options. Here, we provide some of that conversation. Thank you for joining this AJMC Peer Exchange regarding special considerations in the management of HIV. HIV has become more of a chronic disease thanks to advances in the therapeutic armamentarium. However, improved survival has highlighted the need for longer-term management strategies. Throughout this AJMC Peer Exchange, a panel of experts in infectious disease and managed care are going to discuss today's management of HIV, including the need for individualized care and the role for newer treatment options. I'm Dr. Peter Salgo. I'm a professor of medicine and anesthesiology at Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons and an associate director of surgical intensive care at New York Presbyterian Hospital. Participating today on our distinguished panel are Dr. Jeffrey Dunn, vice president of pharmacy for Magellan Rx Management of Salt Lake City, Utah. Dr. Ellie Fatehi, director of clinical pharmacy for Amidacare of New York, New York and Dr. Michael Senshin, Medical Director and Specialist in HIV Medicine with Can Community Health in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I want to thank all of you so much for being with us. We've got a lot to cover. It's been quite an eventful ride with HIV. It sure has. Uh, tremendous, interesting stuff going on. So let's talk about some history here. Um, talk about some historical perspectives on the success of HIV antiretroviral therapy over the past few decades. Um, where do you want to even start? I remember in the beginning of this disease, we had nothing, nothing. And here we are. How did we get from there to here? You know, you're absolutely right. In, in the very beginning, uh, we weren't even sure what was causing it. And, and that's how the word uh, AIDS got, co- uh, got coined, acquired immune deficiency syndrome. We knew people weren't born with it. So it was acquired and, and, and they were dying of diseases that resulted in a severely deficient immune system. And it weren't sure if it was environmental factors. Uh, and, and it wasn't until a virus was discovered in the early 80s when we actually attributed this to, uh, to a virus. And then uh, for the next 10 years or so, our attempt to manage or intervene with medications, we were really in the dark ages. We were attempting to treat HIV with the first medications without being able to measure HIV. So it would be like trying to treat hypertension without being able to measure high blood pressure. You know, somebody asked me back then, did I think we'd ever have A, an effective treatment, or B, a cure? And I said, I I thought responsibly, never in the history of the human race have we cured a viral disease. We have vaccines, but no cures. And we've never really been able to control them either. So then what happened? Well, the technology advanced as well as our our understanding of HIV. And it wasn't until the mid-90s or so when uh, the very first protease inhibitors were approved. And they were approved 
right about the same time the technology allowed us to actually measure virus. Uh, so prior to that, we were giving people medicines. We could measure their immune system, and we could say uh, the, the studies were clinical endpoint studies where somebody would get a drug and other people would get a placebo, and if at the end of a period of time less people died, uh, less people got sick, we said it worked. Hell of an endpoint. Right. And uh, fortunately, we now have a surrogate uh, uh, endpoint, and that is we can measure HIV. And, and we take that for granted now, but in the early days, we could not measure HIV. Now, we have longer life expectancies for people who have HIV infections. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that as I view the landscape, not being an ID doctor, we have normal life expectancies for people who continue their therapies who happen to be infected with HIV. Ooh, there's a pause. How far off am I? <laughs> You're pretty close, actually. <laughs> that was a relief. <laughs> modeling data uh, comes pretty close to that. There have been some modeling data that suggests that uh, a young person in their 20s uh, who gets linked into care, gets hooked up with a, a, a provider, is prescribed antiretroviral therapy, takes it regularly, achieves virologic suppression, that that individual has very close to the same life expectancy as a, as a person his age who never catches HIV. See, that is, I just want people to stop for just a moment and think about that. This was a disease which was killing people left and right. It was mowing people down across America. And now we're talking about normal life expectancy. So let me ask you another question. And the whole panel can jump in on this one. Remembering that AIDS is a syndrome and HIV is simply a virus. Should anybody really get AIDS today? Look uh, at this. Absolutely not. Not with the medications that we have. I think it's, it would really, it's really sad uh, if somebody does progress to advanced HIV disease and gets sick, uh, given what we have available to us. So the theoretically, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, that leads into... That's assuming that we're all doing the right thing collectively. Right. And Absolutely. so there, there are still systemic issues. Well, there, there was a conditional yeah. should in there. Right, yeah. But in the best of all possible yeah. scenarios, HIV... There's no excuse clinically. Right. right. HIV yeah. does not correlate to invariable yeah. AIDS. In fact, it shouldn't ever if you do it right. But that's dependent upon us identifying everyone who has HIV getting them into care, getting them the proper medication to suppress their virus. And there's some gaps along the way uh, as we attempt to do that. Would you have, back in the early 80s, ever thought we'd be having this conversation this way? Ah, there's some gaps. And that's what we have to close. No, I, I honestly can't say I would have thought that. It's insane. Insanely great but insane. But there are real challenges. Uh, what are some of the challenges here? Are there side effects to these drugs? What are we talking about? So we're in an age where we have medications that you need to take every day, and you can basically manage HIV. It's become a chronic disease state. And just like every chronic disease state, you have to take your medication every day. And that's the biggest challenge. Can I stop for just a second? Another definitional issue. Is it a disease? If you have HIV, but it's not manifesting itself with any symptoms because you're taking medicine. Is that a disease? Boy, that's a, that's a good question. You know, I, I think that's, that's an evolving, that, that has evolved over the years. And 
I look at HIV now in slightly different way. Um, if you have high blood pressure, but you take a medicine and every time we measure your blood pressure, it's 120 over 80, do you have high blood pressure? Ah. Um, you have a condition, a chronic condition that you're managing, but every time when we measure your blood pressure, if it's 120 over 80, do you have the disease of high blood pressure? Or do you have a, a manageable condition? And if somebody has HIV, currently, and they take their medicine every day, and every time we measure how much HIV is in their body, we cannot measure anything. That's interesting. Do they it? have a disease? Yeah. Or but the key there, though, if you, if you stop the medication, then you have... So symptoms. So therefore, you you don't you ever have a get away, you don't ever get yeah. away from the disease. You no. can't eliminate it completely right. because you're measuring the amount of HIV in your blood. Do we know how much is in your cells? How much are in your organs? But if it's not affecting your cells or your organs, is it causing well, disease? Well, what about the chronic inflammation that comes with it? When you knock it all down, it's interesting, huh? What about about um, long-term medication adherence issues? These are issues that now pop up. What do we do about that? That's probably the biggest challenge that, that I think we're facing. Why is it a challenge at all? But that's the key. It's like any, any chronic disease, persistency and mm -hmm. compliance is always probably the number one issue. It's just because if, if the better, it's almost like a catch-22. The better you're controlled, the better you're managed, the, sometimes you can become it's human nature. desensitized to it, right? And you just come to your, So there's know. medication but, fatigue. But, that, that's, but, but even with symptomatic diseases and, 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 thing, and things patients feel, Patients still are not compliant, and there's a lot of reasons that contribute to that. Mm -hmm. But that is that uh, that is always going to be a huge issue. Human beings are a mystery. Yeah, you've got a lethal, potentially lethal problem. Here's a pill. Yeah, it's well tolerated. Take it, and the lethality goes away. Why won't you take that? And we'll talk about this later. But there there are a lot of things that we can do to address that. Okay. And I think we all have a role, <clears throat> role in that. But what? yeah, compliance and persistency will always. And now, technically, yeah. we take some drugs. And there is resistance to some of these drugs, right? So that is an issue. How, how, how bad a problem so is that? So if you're adherent, you shouldn't have to develop resistance. Resistance comes from non-adherence. The HIV virus is smart, and it can mutate. And um, if you're adherent to your medications, you should not develop resistance, and I think that's a, that's a major issue. And there certainly has been progress that's been made through the years, and, and I, I'm thankful to the pharmaceutical uh, world and then their development of newer drugs. Some of the medicines we had to give people in the 90s uh, and, and even before were many pills dosed multiple times a day with many side effects. So Need it was much- see A-Z-T. Right. Awful drug. <laughs> that was one. And, and the, uh, uh, you know, the first uh, regimens were referred to as cocktails. Yep. And you know, I'm from a, uh, uh, my father was a Baptist minister. Nobody, <laughs> nobody drank. And, uh, but I was at a, at a meeting in, a, in Chicago a, a, a few years ago. And I was down in the lobby. And they had a cocktail menu. And I looked at it. And each drink had a paragraph of multiple ingredients. And all of a sudden, I realized, aha, a cocktail. That, that explains the 18 pills back in the 90s and 12 and 15. Right. And not stirred, with with multiple, you know, ingredients, yeah. uh, and and we really referred to it as a cocktail. We don't refer to one pill a day regimen today as a cocktail. Ben, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say I, I I totally agree with my colleagues that we've made a lot of progress in this area with better drugs that are safer, better tolerated, fewer drug interactions. Uh, but education is always going to be an issue. 
persistency is always going to be an issue. But I just wanted to uh, add a little bit of a payer perspective, is that HIV is one of the top five or six categories in terms of cost for specialty, under specialty for most payers. And it's really one of, along with maybe hemophilia, is really the only category that's not managed right now. So this is going to get a lot of attention. It's really been hands-off. Uh, we've seen a lot of price increases over the last few years. Um, there's, there's, I don't know if there's any contracting. If there's contracting, there's very little contracting. So there's, there, there are really no price concessions. So it's going to lead to some other discussions here shortly if we don't uh, right. do a better job of collaborating. And I think to me, that's one of the biggest challenges is this is hands-off, it's been hands-off. Payers are told not, you can't touch this. But if you look at this and like any other specialty disease, more and more the total cost of the category is dr driven by the drugs. So if we don't have better conversations between all the different stakeholders, this, we might end up in a place that none of us want to be. All right, look, all that I know is, if you take a look at the AIDS, pop AIDS, HIV population going forward, to me, when I read the literature, what I read about is how do you handle an aging population? And occasionally the drug-drug interactions, because some of these, yeah. these antiretrovirals do have interactions with drugs, antihypertensives, cardiac drugs, whatever, diabetic drugs, that's, that's fascinating, and boy, is that a great place to have landed, yes? Yes, I mean, I, I, we now know that over half of all of our patients are over the age of 50. And, uh, and, and, and it, we, as people are not dying with HIV, they're living with HIV, and they're living longer. And as people age, they often will require hypertension, hyperlipidemia, perhaps some diabetes medicine uh, as, as we age. And so there are drug-drug interactions uh -huh. definitely to be. Okay. That's one of the things I want to come back to later. I do want is, to get back to it. Is well, how, we, 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 how we holistically, yeah. mm -hmm. and, and I think a payer has a huge uh, role in doing that. I do too. I'll tell you one thing that struck me. There were articles about how do we handle obesity in the HIV-positive population yeah. when we all know that in the early days of this epidemic, yeah, they died as skeletons. Yeah. It was a skeletonizing, inanition-inducing disease. And now, like anybody else, how do we go to the gym? I'm telling you, this has been remarkable from a physician's, a clinician's perspective. To listen to the full discussion, visit the Peer Exchange page on AJMC.com or see the show notes.